Welcome to M. Huh? <laughs> so, what do you think of the new joint? Oh, this place looks like it's from the not too distant future. Yeah, you like it, Homer? Um, the rabbits are cute. Yeah, that one ain't moving. Uh, change number seven. I don't get all this eyeball stuff. Uh, what are they supposed to represent? Uh, eyeballs? It's Pomo. Postmodern. Yeah, all right. Weird for the sake of weird. Oh. oh. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF20. It is episode 3 of season 13, Home of the Mo. I'm Dando. I am Guy. Dando, how are you travelling, my man? I'm not going too bad. I've had a pretty good day at work and Ali was well behaved today. We're just playing out in the backyard. We've got this like jungle gym thing for him. It's like a little tykes. I think it's like it's made like a, like a real thick plastic and it's just a big giant slide and you can climb through tunnels and stuff and he's just oh, he's old enough now where you can actually enjoy it properly so it's it's actually good, you know, because we first we first bought it because it was second hand. So we paid five hundred dollars for it, and it just oh. sort of sat out in the backyard collecting cobwebs and dust for like two months. <laughs> we bought it during we bought it during the lockdown, so it sat there for all these months. He was he wouldn't go down the slide; it was too big for him. He was too scared, and I was just like, ah, oh, what a waste of money. But now he's just like big slide, big slide, big slide. I'm like, thank. God, the investment finally paid off. <laughs> How about you? Pretty much exactly the opposite. I mean, not in terms of having like a bad day or anything like that, but just a very nothing day. I had sort of a uh, biggish weekend. The lovely Louise and I went to Melbourne, caught up with some friends, stayed up late drinking, telling stories, all that kind of business. And uh, guys getting older and he needs to sleep. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I had grand plans for today. Well, not even grand plans, just plans for today, and really none came to fruition. As I said to you prior to uh, hitting the record button on our uh, various devices, I've been saving up all my energy to talk about Home of the Mo because, well, yes, it deserves so much energy and so much stuff. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> this episode. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> so... I'm going to start by saying Home of the Mo. I didn't hate it because there's, there's probably like four or five stories in this. Just hear me out. Let me let me get my point out, and then you can right. you can give yours right. So, <laughs> I didn't hate it because of this reason. It had four or five stories. One of the stories I thought was pretty meh, whatever. But there was like three or four story elements here which I actually really enjoyed. If they were just the story, now able to be fleshed out a bit more. I just thought this episode felt like four or five episodes crammed into 22 minutes to the point where they didn't merge well. They just they, they they had these different story elements, and they kept going from one to the other without any real explanation or just a real cheap and easy way of getting from one story to the next. And it's just like, but what 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 about that 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 story? And it, okay, we're doing this now. Okay, okay, yeah, not too bad. Uh, oh, and that's got. Oh, now we're doing this. So I was just sort of left going. If they just focused on one of the good elements of this story, it actually would have been pretty good. But my God, so this was the first episode written by Dana Gould. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Dana Gould, comedian? Dana Gould, yes. Yes. So I feel like my my theory is that, because there were some good elements here, I feel like because this was his first one and, you know, comedians are very high energy. They're always, you know, million ideas running through their heads. Maybe he just subconsciously threw a bunch of shit at the wall and crammed as much as he could into this in the fear that this may be his one and only chance to write for The Simpsons. So he wanted to get all the story ideas into one. Because I feel like... So the stories you had, besides the Homer Dickens story at the start, which I just thought was fucking stupid, that was ridiculous. And I didn't really like the hunting one, so that was the one I didn't really like. Mm -hmm. But 
Mo going back to uni to find his groove. I think that's a story in itself that's really, if fleshed out properly, could have been good, right? Because I really enjoyed when he arrived and he was just like, oh, you old glass wipe or something like that. There is a story there, if thought about, could have been a really solid episode. Mo then transforming his bar. Done before as a rehash story. We had Flaming Mo, but this mm-hmm. is a different spin. This isn't like a Flaming Mo aspect. This is a different kind of style. If he just does that and that's the story with a, with a bit of a B plot on the side, that could have worked as well. But I think the one that I enjoyed the most was Homer opening up his own bar. I think this would have been a really funny, solid story in direct competition with the Mo starting his own bar. So if the story was just Mo starting his own bar, uh, re- rehashing his bar, updating it to modern times, Homer starting his own bar, becoming actually successful where people, not just the bar flies, all the people in Springfield start going to this bar, not the young crowd, the the older crowd like Dr. Hibberts and the, the Skinners and the Sideshow Males, the ones who you normally sometimes see pop up at Moe's. If they go to Homer's bar instead and then Homer and Moe are actually in direct competition with each other, mm. then the ending they give us at the end of this would have felt earned, you know, where Homer sort of, Homer eventually does something wrong and everyone goes back to Moe's and Homer realizes he shouldn't have done what he did and Homer and Moe are, are friends again and he gives him the tip and what a nice happy ending. But the way this story, the way this episode unraveled, it was just a fucking mishmash and it was hard to, it felt like I said on the Patreon group, I felt like I was lost in a maze and couldn't get out. It was like dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end. I don't know. But so watching the episode the first time, I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't like it. Then when I went back and watched it a second time and paused it here and there to take notes and whatnot, I realized that I liked I liked a lot of the episode in short short stints. But as an overall 22-minute story, it was just too all over the shot for my liking. What about you? Look, I agree with you in a lot of ways there, Dan. I mean, uh, particularly about the aspects of the episode that you thought worked well. I'd be all for uh, an episode that had Mo going back to uni or going back to a barber you know, not barber, bartender. Sorry, bartender uh, college. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so, not not you, college. Yeah. Oh, no, but he, <laughs> yeah, says, yeah. he says he says Swigmore. You right? So it's university. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, if you did have an episode where he, um, yeah, went back and sort of became the elder statesman of of uh, yeah. bartenders or something like that, I reckon that's something you could definitely spin into a twenty-two minute app. I mean, it'd like, be a a de- bit like, like a de- like a you can always have it like a dead pole society where all the young bartenders end up looking up to Mo, and that's how he finds his love for for bartending again. I think that would have yeah. been great. I think so because I mean, I really dug that moment when he first shows up, and um, yes. You know, and he's sort of the big man on campus for a moment. I'm a sucker for scenes like that, and I'm a sucker for anything that sort of makes puts Mo in a positive light, because I like Mo. As I said, that's the moment where I went, well, this should have been a story. Yeah, yeah. Or, as you pointed out as well, I mean, say you've got the plot where Mo updates his bar, turns it into the new hip place or whatever to try and reinvigorate his or revitalise his love of, uh, mm. love of the hospitality industry. It doesn't quite backfire, but it doesn't work exactly the way he wanted. Homer does open his own bar, and this is apparently Dana Gould's inspiration. His dad did something similar because he opened like a hunting lodge, uh, re- as really uh, a quote-unquote hunting lodge, as an excuse to just open his own bar. Yeah, and Homer opens his own place. It's, yeah, it, it's what Moe's was, and that's what people want. Now, say Homer starts then... Sex goes to his head and he thinks, oh, well, I'm going to turn my place into the... Uh, he loses sight of what, what would work and he turns it into the hip place. Meanwhile, Mo has uh, seen the error of his ways, turns Mo back into Mo's. Everyone goes back to Mo's. Mm. Homer, yeah, Homer's like, 
where is everyone? I turned it into my, you know, I turned it into the, the hottest spot in town. And it's really just like three hipsters in there. And he realizes, oh, this sucks. And he closes it. He goes back to Moe's. Everything is reverts back to factory settings. And we're happy. We can start again next episode. I think that would work fate. That, that would work great. That'd be a fantastic episode. That'd be but, a really, uh, I bet that would be a really, yeah, fantastic. That'd be a really solid story that I wish they focused on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As you wisely pointed out, I think Dana Gould, and, you know, probably had help from other, the other writers there as well, mm, yeah. just threw everything in. I, I really do think, as you said, he thought, oh, well, look, this may be my only chance to write a Simpsons episode. Everything I ever want to put into a Simpsons episode, I'm going to put in. You hear this from creative people all the time, the first time they're making something. I hate to break it to you, Dando, but I actually, um, I appeared on another podcast. Hmm. At some stage, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cheated on you, Dando. But um, I appeal well, on this. I, 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 listeners, I hope you're enjoying listening to the guy because he's uh, gone. So ah, enjoy him. I'm cancelled. <laughs> uh, but I appeared on this uh, other podcast talking about the films of a gentleman named Jim Wanorski, who's made something like 150 B movies over the course of his career. There was this documentary about him where he said. The first time he got to make a movie, he said, look, I may never, ever, ever get to do this again. So I'm throwing in ninjas. I'm throwing in a mountain lair. I'm throwing in uh, good-looking babes. I'm throwing in uh, a beheading. I'm throwing in everything. And it's all in there. And surprisingly, it kind of works in this movie called, I think it's called The Lost Emperor or something. Yeah, I think it's a very common thing among creative people. that It's like, if I've got one shot at the uh, brass ring here, yeah, I'm going to go at it with everything I've got. And unfortunately, you get something like, Home of the Mo, which, yes, apologies to the uh, the listeners out there. I thought it was called Homer to the Mo because our friends at Disney Plus called it Homer <laughs> to the Mo. I don't now, Dando. Let's talk about this just quickly because you know we've got new titles coming up. But let's talk about this title. I don't know what Homer the Mo means. I don't know what Homer to the Mo means. I thought Homer to the Mo might be a bit like Hell to the No. But I don't think that was a saying back in 2001 or whenever this episode came out. I don't know what Homer the Mo means. Is it just, you know... I think they just got Homer to the Mo confused with Homer to the Max, whoever was doing the titles in, in okay. Disney+. Plus. Homer the Mo, I think it's just... It's similar to Homer the Smithers. So it's okay. just Homer... The, <laughs> so when... I think it's like season seven or season eight when... Homer replaces Smithers as Mr. Burns' assistant as simply called Homer the Smithers. So it's just okay. another... It's just Homer the something. You know, sometimes you get Bart the genius. Bart oh, the right. general. Homer the Mo. That's all it is. <laughs> they right. could have called it Homer the bartender, but you know. <laughs> okay, but what do you think of R.E.M.'s appearance? Now, I'm a big R.E.M. fan and uh, have been since the mid-80s. Uh, and I thought this actually was a pretty good appearance by them. I mean, they got to poke fun at their own image because they were sort of renowned for being, I guess, woke before woke was even a thing. I mean, they were no, very... They were the first band I can remember as a kid being like, they don't eat animals? What? <laughs> <laughs> what do they eat instead? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't eat animals, what do you eat? Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, they, they were very into their uh, very into the cause and they got to push them with this, but they also got to poke fun at that a little bit as well. You know, they played against type a little bit. I mean, Michael Stipe was always regarded as one of the most peaceful and passive kind of individuals in popular culture. And here he is uh, breaking a bottle and threatening the glass homer. There was one thing that I thought was a little bit weird about it. I, doing uh, my sort of half ass research on this, I found out that uh, the other members of REM that are in this, it's, um, it's Michael Stipe, uh, Peter Buck and Mike Mills, didn't want uh, their original drummer, Bill Berry, to uh, actually 
be in this episode. Now, he wasn't part of the group at this stage. Well, quite frankly, he would. Well, he'd retired because he had a brain aneurysm on stage during a gig in 1995. No shit, uh, he, wow. Yeah, but he, he recovered from it fine. But um, yeah, I think that took a bit of a toll. But also just touring and playing. And, you know, it's like, oh, I just wasn't having as much fun anymore. So he quit the band. But it wasn't mm-hmm. an acrimonious split or anything like that. Apparently, he would, you know, get together with the band occasionally and perform the odd gig. But uh, he decided to go be a farmer. Apparently, it was on the instructions of R.E.M. It's like, Bill Berry's not part of this episode. I don't know, I found that a little bit weird. Maybe they're very sort of uh, image conscious and they didn't want to confuse viewers. They're like, I thought Bill quit the band. That is quite possible. I mean, they didn't really replace Bill Berry with a full-time drummer to the best of my understanding. They just used session drummers and and, and the occasional replacement. So, yeah, maybe that was the case. Uh, But no, I liked R.E.M.'s appearance in this. And uh, one thing I did like was they performed... Uh, one of their most famous songs, It's the End of the World as We Know It. That and Everybody Hurts are the two big ones, And right? everybody, yeah, yeah. The, one of the things about R.E.M. was that, uh, yeah, their lyrics are always kind of very, very oblique, and, you know, a bit sort of like, ooh, what are they singing here and what's all this about? And, you know, The End of the World as We Know It is one particularly where it's just sort of like a stream of consciousness uh, thing going on. And uh, I liked Homer's lyrics, which are pretty much in... <laughs> which are pretty much in keeping with the song. They're just kind of like throwing words out there for the sake of it. It's like, yeah, that fits right in. I appreciated their appearance. I, I, I don't know if I'd put it up there with the, uh, you know, one of the best musical guests of all time, but uh, I thought they acquitted themselves quite well. What do you think? I think because they sang one of, if not their most iconic song, it just makes, makes their appearance memorable. I mean, everyone remembers when R.E.M. were on The Simpsons because they remember them singing the song. Hey, my favourite! So what was your favourite moment for the episode, Mr Davis? I did like Bart saying, oh, my dad's always yelling that Whitey's keeping him down. I thought that wasn't too bad. <laughs> I, as, as previously mentioned, I liked that Mo got to be the big man on campus when he went back to Swigmore just for a minute. Uh, Homer not getting the prank call thing. And being excited for it at the start, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was pretty funny. And uh, Michael Stubb doing a Homer at the end with them. Kurds. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> So yeah, that's a, they're, they're probably my favourite parts. I really enjoyed uh, Homer just being a fun bartender. It was just little elements of this that I thought, man, if this was if there was more of this in the episode, it would have been great. Because I just think Homer, no care in the world. I, di- I didn't really like the hemorrhaging scene where he smashed, trying to be Fonzie, mm. smashed the, the record player. That was a bit gross to me, but just don't worry about it, guys. You know, food spilt around the place, that's okay. Let's get up in the bar and dance to some songs. I just thought... Man, I'd want to go to the bar if Homer was the bartender, you know? <laughs> but I also loved the line from the professor when he says, beautify your whole and you'll beautify your soul. I thought that's actually very true. You know, if you, your home, the, the condition of your home, my sister Stacy actually sort of said this to me and it sort of it stuck with me. The condition of your home and the condition of your car, like inside mess-wise, is usually an indication of where your mind is at. And... This podcast room was used to be an absolute clutter and mess, and it really was an indication of where my mind was at. I was all over the shop. Nothing was in order. No structure to my schedule like week to week. And what I did was, you know, I soundproofed it out. I tidied it up. Every day, I make sure it's nice and tidy. And whenever I get in this room now, I have, just have that creative sort of vibe. I'm ready to go, ready to do a podcast, and it's just so much, I'm just so much more vibrant creatively as a result of having a more cleaner room. So the term beautify your whole and you'll beautify your soul, I just thought was a really, really sweet line and just very true. 
it's very, very valid. And in fact, it's, uh, well, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but it was going to be my, the lesson that I took away from this episode. Beautify your oh. whole, beautify your soul. Because I'm yes. trying to do sort of likewise as well. I mean, I'm renowned for my clutter and um, particularly in my, uh, in my study and uh, there are sort of bits and pieces all over the place, but those bits and pieces are slowly being put into boxes and those boxes are being put outside on the nature strip saying free to good home or just take this shit away. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, no, I agree with you uh, 110% on that, Dando. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week. We have three questions each. Can I commence or shall you, Mr. Davis? You go first. Alrighty. What are the names of the security guards inside at M? Oh. Mo asked them to throw Homer and the barflies out. Julian? Julian's one, yes. Oh. The other one sounds like a Star Wars character. <laughs> it does, but... Oh, meh. Nah, I'm I'm blanking. I'm sorry. I I I can see it. It's right on the tip of my tongue, but no, nah, it's it's yeah yeah. I'm hitting my I'm hitting my tongue, but it's not coming. It's kind. I'll give you a clue. It's okay. kind of like the planet that Yoda lives on. Well, that's Dagobah, isn't it? It's uh, the the name is Dagobah. Dagma. It's Dagma. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Uh, what is your first question, sir? My first question is to you. What was uh, the REM benefit that was being played in the Homer's garage slash bar? What was the uh, cause? For, uh, rain, saving the rainforest? Saving the rainforest. Bang on. I will say the only thing about the REM appearance is that the explanation as to how they got to home, got onto the show is a bit silly. Like, where, <laughs> hey, where did Homer see REM to be able to tell them about the benefit? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but, you know, all, all that aside, I still did enjoy it. Uh, my second question is... Where was the woman, the hipster, in M, getting her Botex injections? Oh, uh, face. No. Navel? No. Head? Head, yes. Navel? Yes. Um, hmm. Neck? Neck, well done. Head, neck, Ooh. and navel, correct. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Uh, what scared away the turkey when Homer was hunting? Homer's died most cougar call, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes. A, yes, a cougar call. I did that almost was my favourite moment. It's the only part that I re- remembered from this hunting part and the, whole, the part that I enjoyed. Come here, turkey, turkey. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> and my final question is, what does Mo give Lisa when she says, I like you, why don't you like me? Oh, man. Oh, gives a her a moist, little, a, little a moist towelette. Yeah, towelette. You know, the best towelettes in the world, right? They're KFCs. Do you agree? I 100% agree with you. They yes. are amazing. I don't know what it is, the smell, <laughs> the texture. They're the best. <laughs> um, there's um, there's Denzel uh, Washington movie called The Book of Eli. Have you ever heard of this one? I have seen it a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah post-apocalyptic adventure. And, mm. you know, the, basically the world's gone to shit. But one of the currencies in, the fut- in this awful dystopian future is uh, moist towelettes. <laughs> I think I think Denzel shows up at like some old fashioned trading post. I think Tom Waits might be running it actually. Hey, we got we got moist towelettes. <laughs> no, it's like that that absolutely makes sense. And you know, in this horrible, dusty, dystopian future, I reckon a moist towelette would just be like, oh my god, this is like a you know a, a 
a warm so bath, on a, on a, a yeah. warm bath on a cool night. Yeah, just perfect. Yeah, because yeah, when we were kids, it used to be Thursday night takeaway night. It was always Thursday. Did you ever take away night when you were younger as well, like your family, or was that not really a thing in the in the Bobby Davis household? Oh, we were a diehard Catholic, so it was fish on Friday, which meant fish and chips on Friday. Okay, well there you go. Good, that's good. Uh, we always had a choice, but it was usually either Macca's or it was KFC, and ninety percent of the time it was KFC. KFC was our jam when my, when my sister and I were younger, <laughs> and one of my favorite parts about KFC was having the towel at the end. <laughs> like that was the, mm-hmm. the that was like the selling point. I'm like, Macca's have napkins. KFC moist towelette, <laughs> yeah. a, a lemon fresh moist towelette. Yeah, it's got that, got that lovely citrus smell to it. They're very satisfying to open too. But anyway, let's let's continue with the trivia. What's your last question? My last question to you: Which cocktail has cranberry juice in it? Uh, Cosmopolitan. That is correct, sir. Oh, go to the head of the bartending class. See, we may not have liked certain elements of this episode, but we got all the trivia questions correct. So we yeah. must have been paying attention. I mean. If you were going to say to someone, if someone said to you, did you enjoy watching this episode? Would you say yes or no? It's not, it's neither good nor bad enough for me to sort of say I enjoyed it or I hated it. It's fine. Yeah, and, and I know that's a real cop-out thing to say, but I mean... That's not Simpson Safari by any means, you know? That's correct. Our, our pal Seth Weens, <laughs> Weens, he sure is, um, <laughs> wrote wrote on the Facebook page in the patrons group, he thought that I'd hate it. Um, he's not 100% right, but he's not totally wrong either, Seth. So, uh, yeah, look, it's not as higgledy-piggledy and just sort of contemptuous for the audience as, say, Simpson Safari is. But one thing I did sort of feel while I was watching this episode... Uh, particularly that early part where it's sort of like, ah, oh, you guys with the same old stories. Eh? It's like, was this the mood in the writer's room, do you think? Do you think they were kind of like, there was a bit of disgruntlement at the audience, but also a bit of disgruntlement at the cells? Like, ah, oh, we're spinning our wheels here. I don't know. That's, I just couldn't help but feel maybe that was uh, something that was, uh, yeah, going on in the uh, in the room. I mean, just all that sort of throwing in bits and pieces about, Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, Lisa likes animals. Throw her into this scene so they can, you know, have her talking about, oh, no, you shouldn't be hunting. You know, it's like... There are certain elements creeping into the writing, particularly towards the end of season 12 and season 13, where you do get a sense that the writers haven't had enough, but they're just almost bored. Like they, they want to move on to something else. I don't know. It's yeah. like they don't. It's like they, they took... Because the show changed. The dynamic in, of the show changed so much from season even from season 10 through to like season 12, to the point where they're just like, okay, we've done all the shit that we wanted to do now. Well, now what? Can we go home now? We've, we've, done, we've done everything we mm. need to do. But yeah, anyway. can, I, can I get kicked over to Family Guy or something? You know, can I, can I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Hey. I, know we keep, I, I know we keep bringing up, oh, this is the year of South Park and Family Guy coming along, so The Simpsons is kind of in, on hitting tough waters or something. But I don't know, maybe it is the case. It'd be great if we could track down, and I'm sure we probably could because, you know, the internet... Sort of a uh, a running chronology of who was in the Simpsons writers' room at various times, who came, who left, you know, who was sticking around, who were new arrivals, all that kind of stuff. Who were who were some of the freelancers, or maybe um, you know they brought on, and just get a sense of the transition of creative talent from what we call the golden age to maybe this period to later on and see, yeah. you know, if we can find any sort of points of commonality. Of course, that would be too much like hard work, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Could get, you had too much to do during your day today to be able to do that. <laughs> that, that. That siesta wasn't going to sleep itself, man. 
<laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back after this short break with our review of Home of the Mo. This week's episode of Four Figure Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons. Jordan, Mole Man, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Davey, Sam Bennett, by the way, thanks for the extra donation, sir, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Seth Weens, Daniel Kotnick, Ali Jamie, the iconic June fucking Richards, as well as our newbie Cal McDonald. Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout-outs to our new $5 plus patrons, Alexander Wing, Katie Giacca, Mitch Halter, India Irvin, Alexi, and Neil Park. You guys are all absolute champions. Don't forget, by being a four-finger discount patron, you not only get access to this show a week early, as well as early access to our other shows, such as Tales of Futurama and Talking Seinfeld, we also get access to Four Figure Discount Revisited Classics, where each month the patrons decide which iconic episode from the golden era we shall review. So sign up now to be a Four Figure Discount patron, but for now, enjoy our review of Home of the Mo. The original air date for Home of the Mo, or Homer to the Mo, if you're looking on Disney+, Plus, was November 18th, 2001. It was written by Dana Gould, who, fun fact, I thought was interesting, voiced Gex in the, uh, the video game series. He voiced the US version of Gex in the in the video game franchise. And it was a game I enjoyed when I was a kid. And it was directed by Jen Kamerman. Chalkboard gag, a burp in a jar is not a science project. And the couch gag, the family all wearing what I think are Wildcats uniforms. Because when Bart was playing football and Homer was the coach, it looked like the Wildcats uniforms. Uh. Football gets thrown on the floor. They all tackle it. Maggie gets out and spikes it. Mm. And does the celebratory dance. Yes, that's right. The f- episode kicks off with the family at, I want to say, the breakfast table, but then Bart was apparently drinking mountain juice. Maybe it was the lunchtime table. I don't know. They're at the table in the kitchen. I, th- I think it was a breakfast table and the and the mountain dew thing was a bit of a joke. Not a good joke, yeah. but a joke. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Well, Homer's <laughs> reading the comics. A little jab yeah. here at Drabble, hey. Yes. Now, I've written down here, hey, what's Drabble? And then, well, <laughs> despite my yes, previous... Uh, assertion that I don't like hard work, I, I googled Drabble and I thought I'd have a look and see what it was. It's a comic strip about a family. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> the, the, the few strips that I saw of Drabble were, hmm, this is kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Dull, bland, uninteresting, not funny, all that kind of stuff. Your, your, your mileage may vary. I got to the end of it and went, well, this can't be the end because there's been no jokes yet. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just interesting that um, for his first script, I mean, obviously there would have been edits, but maybe this was thrown in by another writer, but taking a jab at another comic strip or whatever, it's like, eh, that's kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, true. But then, you know, our pal Mr. Gould could probably say, but that's not me having a go, that's Homer. You know, and you can't trust what oh, yeah. anything Homer says. He's got terrible taste. That's yeah. true. We see right through your ruse, Mr. Gould. We then get Bart outside digging. His Mountain Dew is going flat. Is that what she says? think so, yeah. Yeah, something along those lines. Did you drink the dew? Were you ever into the dew? I never drank Mountain Dew. I was, uh, I was always, when I was a kid, it was always Coke for me. Loved Coke. Now, mm-hmm. if I'm going to have soft drink, I have Pepsi Max. I don't like the taste of Diet Coke or Coke Zero. It's just bland to me. But as a kid, it was always Coke. I don't know. But mm-hmm. a couple of my friends, and it's funny because my friends that drank Mountain Dew were usually the ones that... Went, their parents went to the American store and got American chocolates. Like, yeah. They drank Dr. Pepper as well. They always, they never drank Coke. It was always something different. 
Your mention of Dr. Pepper there sounded a little disrespectful, and I won't have the doctor disrespected. No, 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 no. It's just when I was a kid, I thought, Pepper, drink. That's what, that was my thought. When I was a kid, that's what I thought. I thought, why would you drink Pepper? It sounds terrible. You would not, but you would drink Dr. Pepper. It's a delightful sarsaparilla mm. treat. Because um, occasionally when I'll get in uh, Hot Chicken Project, um, the fine fried chicken establishment down here in Geelong, one of the soft drinks they'll supply is Dr. Pepper. And I got it one night thinking, oh, yeah, I'll get Dr. Pepper just for a change. And the combo of fried chicken and Dr. Pepper was like, oh, man, this is tasty. It's been nothing but the doctor ever since. Anyway, um, this is not me um, sort of hitting up the uh, distributor of Dr. Pepper for free Dr. Pepper, although Dr. Pepper is pretty nice. Just one more time, Dr. Pepper. Say that name. That name again is Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've forgotten what what led us to talk about Dr. Pepper. Mountain Uh, drinks. Mountain (laughs) Dew. Yes, that's true. Which um, I think I had once or twice when it first came out. And I'm like, "Uh, so this is like solo, but a bit sweeter. I don't know. I remember I tried it once when mum got KFC because KFC was stocked Mountain Dew and McDonald's didn't. Mm. I remember once they didn't have any Pepsi because if we had KFC, it had to be Pepsi. I was like, all right. But then one time they didn't have any Pepsi, so I had to have Mountain Dew. I was like, oh, okay. I drank it and went, nah, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> if I had, if I was going to drink lemonade when I was a kid, I was a big Sprite fan. I love Sprite. Okay. Getting back to the this scene, I wasn't a fan of the, you must be digging for drugs. We don't have any drugs. Huh. Of course not. I'm like, that's yeah. the most easiest, laziest fucking joke they could have made in that scene. But there are a lot of lazy gags in this episode, and we'll get to one in, in a little bit. And there may be more than one through this thing, through this episode that we'll point out. But yeah, there was certainly one uh, sequence that I'm like, oh, man, for real. But uh, back to um, the early part of this episode, already in progress. Lisa is going to check on Bart. Bart is not very clear on why he's digging. He's just digging because he feels like it. Time then passes. Homer says he's going to try and find out. And by doing so, he then gets fooled by Bart into digging his own hole. Almost has a heart attack and he gets the defibrillator. Again, yeah. I was just like, well, whatever. <laughs> Although I'd probably make it about that far digging a hole as well. <laughs> you get into the idea of going for the shovel and go, nah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what was the whole point of this Dr. Bob Kaufman? Kaufman. Scene. I've I've no idea. I watch I watched this scene. Went well. This guy must be like a famous psychiatrist that I've never heard of. I looked it up. No, just some fucking psychiatrist they made up. I'm like, he is just a a fictional creation, a fictitious creation that uh, means nothing. Means nothing (laughs) at all. Uh, I know that's the point. That 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 is the point. The joke's not lost to me. This whole first three minutes is meant to mean nothing because it's just a stupid story told by Homer. Mm. And I'm telling you, they almost lost me. I almost went. Is fucking something going to happen here? Because they're already losing me in this episode. And then you find out it's just a story told by Homer. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. But still, I'm like, you wasted four minutes on that? You, yep. couldn't get to, you couldn't get to this faster? I wrote down three minutes and 47 seconds. That's how long it took for Mo to speak for all of us with uh, you and your dumbass stories. Although, I, having said that, I will always welcome a good Morlocks reference. Yes. We all know what our Morlocks are. Yes, the not evil, but sort of violent and... Uh, barbaric uh, underground dwellers in H.G. Wells' classic, The Time Machine. Anyway, back to the episode, Dando. You literally could have just started this episode with Homer saying in the, in the in Moe's, like the last couple of lines of his story, and, Homer, and Moe just interrupting him. You didn't need the three-minute setup at all. <laughs> uh, then they've got to find three minutes and 47 seconds worth of filler for elsewhere in the episode. Would it have been any better? I don't know, Dando. I don't think so. If we were at the reins, it would have been, because it would have been Homer and Homer versus Moe, Bar versus Bar, it would have been fucking great. 
<laughs> Homer's done the defibrillator. Lisa warns Bart that you're going to dig through the china, which is a thing that I remember my parents said to me because I must have been digging a hole at some point. I don't know why I was digging the hole. Maybe I watched this episode and went and dug a hole. But I always remember my parents saying, you're going to dig a hole to China. It was just the thing that we said in Australia. I wonder if that's been said, if that gets said, or well, obviously it does get said around the world because The Simpsons said it in America. I believe it gets it gets said everywhere except China. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I don't understand like, what, who comes up with digging through to China. Is that a reference to anything? Like, is there a purpose for that? For that? No, but it's been, a, it's, it's been a saying as long as I can remember, and I've been creeping around on the planet a few a few years longer than you, Dando. So it's um yeah, just a saying. That you would, um, yeah, dig a hole all the way to China. Yeah, bizarre. So we get I don't the, know the... Why, why it's the case, but, uh, well, another joke in there that's not all that great about the great humongous. Yeah. Mm, yep. That, fe- that felt kind of played out as well. I mean, I think we'd, or just, have we had this joke before where someone says, oh, I am such and such. Yes, we know, always with the such and such. It's like, this feels familiar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm. I'm. I get the same feeling. I can't think of it on top of my head, but I'm pretty sure there is something similar to that. Yeah, but mm. thankfully, thankfully, Mo interrupts this bullshit story, <laughs> and he's very, very angry. Man, he's had enough of everybody in the room. We get the the Shaggy Dog stories reference, which is kind of like a Shab- uh, Joey Jojo Shabadoo. Every, Shabadoo. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot about this episode that feels like rehashes of old gags, and yeah. this is the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> A rehash of Joey Jojo Shabadoo, but uh, it's still, I got a kick out of it. I enjoyed it. Homer then um, says to Mo, you know, you're cranky, pulls a shotgun. Mo's just had enough. He's not getting any tips or whatnot. And they say, well, maybe if you smile once in a while. Even then, the Mo's smiling. We've had that a whole fucking episode about it when he smiled yeah. for the calendar. Like, <laughs> by the, by the is- way, I know Barney was off the booze at some stage and he's off the booze in this episode. Have there been episodes in the interim where he was regular Barney, regular drunk Barney? No. He does oh. go back to being regular Barney, but not yet. Oh, okay then. That's why recently when they're at Moe's, it's usually just Lenny, Carl, and Homer. Ah, uh, uh, makes sense. Uh, thank mm. you for pointing that out, Dando. Appreciate it. We get Moe talking about how he threw the uh, the ice pick and hit the rat, and then he sees the painting of Swigmore U, and finally we get some sort of story here. So he points out that it was very conveniently put up there so he could um, elaborate on his story, <laughs> and the guys convince Moe that he should... Uh, Go back to rekindle his love of getting people loaded. Indeed. But we mentioned before about cheap gags and this this whole sequence, not this whole sequence, but there's just a little exchange in there where they're all sort of like, hey, what, what's the word for such and such? Uh, I meant to say so and so. It's like, oh, man, that's... Mm. <laughs> I just found it frustrating in its, uh, in its laziness, that, that uh, particular segment. I did not I enjoy mind, it. I didn't mind it but it was by no means like their best work. <laughs> no. It's incredible though what sort of, you know, <laughs> what trips you trigger, so to speak. What's kind of like, ah, that kind of joke really annoys me. Yeah, so yeah, for some reason that one just like, really guys, you're going with that? Anyway. I did enjoy Carl referring to himself as Urban Lenny. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't bad. But everyone wants to run the bar, which you can understand. You know, that, of course, who wouldn't want to run their favourite bar? Mo doesn't want to start a tinkling contest. Or does he? <laughs> Homer wins. <laughs> what, what I did like about this was that it was a quick and harmless way to get to Homer running the bar. True, yes. that was, It's uh, good. It's effective. But who'll run the bar while you're gone? Ooh, ooh, pick me! Pick me! Lenny! Oh, pick me! I'm an urban Lenny! Look, I don't want to start a tinkling contest here. Or do I? 
Woohoo! I don't look so proud. That was wind assisted. So Mo here. This is like a great Mo line. If anyone wants any potato chips or anything fancy, tell them to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's exactly what Mo would say. Her, um, Homer says, don't worry, I've got it all under control. Starts wasting some beer. Mo freaks out, says, don't, Mo, you got it all wrong. People buy beer from you. Mo just leaves. Explosion <laughs> and cut to commercial. Mo then arrives at his old college, uh, Swigmore U. I love that the, the doors, like the old saloon doors. Yeah. <laughs> Which in the earlier episodes is what Mo actually had on the front of Mo's tavern, the old for, saloon for doors. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously they didn't really know what the show was going to be. So it was no. more of a saloon back in the day, Mo's tavern, as opposed to a door. Have you ever walked through swinging doors like that? Do you um, recall? No, the only ones that are anything like that are the automated ones when you walk through at the supermarkets, the closest okay. I've been. <laughs> I think they used to have sort of swinging doors like that at the uh, Pancake Kitchen down in Geelong. Oh, possibly. Well, that was one of my favourite places in the world as a child, so I guess mm. I would have then, yeah. yeah. I just feel like if it gets cold outside, there's no way of preventing the coldness from getting inside your establishment if you have doors like that. Well, I think the Pancake Kitchen sort of tried to have their cake and eat it too. Or their pancake and eat it too. Hey, I just came up with that. That, that wasn't bad. <laughs> In that they had sort of regular doors and then a little gap and then the swinging doors. Ah, like a little entrance way. Like, the, yes. like Parkers do that as well, I think, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, they don't have the flappy doors, but they have like a little a door and then a second door. door. Uh, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, Pancake Kitchen, far out. How great was that place? I think they still have it in Melbourne, right? I think so. I think there's still a. I think it's still a franchise that exists. They do yeah. need to bring it back to Geelong. I would certainly go there. I would certainly go there. It was a top spot. It definitely was. So he arrives at the Swigmore U. We get the old college clock. No drinking before five. Every number is five. five. Nice little gag there. <laughs> then we cut back to Moe's and Homer is cleaning the TV. <laughs> I like this. Hell's that was good. Clean TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the thing is, we've seen them watching color TV at Moe's since. <laughs> I mean. What I, I get the feeling that Dana Gould hasn't watched The Simpsons in a long time because in the first couple of seasons, Moe's TV was always black and white. That was like the thing. Mm-hmm. And then if that was a recurring gag where the TV was always black and white, this would be one hell of a payoff. But we've, yeah. they've watched color TV since. So it's like, eh, it doesn't work mm-hmm. as much. But still, I, d- I didn't mind it. It was, it was pretty funny. A funny visual nonetheless. He opens up the bottle with his belly button. Lenny brings in outside food, which Homer allows, but it splatters all over the place. And I just got a kick out of this scene. I just thought, suddenly <laughs> Moe's is just the place to be. It's so much fun. I would love to go to a bar where this is all happening. It's always fun too. You've got to clean up that uh, crusty burger that's been sprayed all over the place. But still, the, at least it would smell delicious being there. <laughs> for, for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> How long can you stay in a fast food restaurant before you get overwhelmed by this, the smell of the food? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, and an interesting challenge. Mm, we should maybe sort of uh, try this experiment in real life, see how long you could spend, say, in a, a Macca's or a Hungry Jack's. Before what's your, like, well, what's, of, of, the, of the big dogs, what's your favourite smell? It would probably be KFC. That's where you should have said German Shepherd. But um, yeah, KFC is definitely <laughs> the best smell. <laughs> <laughs> So this is why we're, why I'm doing a Simpsons podcast and not writing for The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the smell of Hungry Jacks, although I don't overly rate the food. Like, I mean, I enjoy it, but I never feel as good as what I do after I eat KFC. KFC, half an hour later, I always feel like shit, but the smell and the immediate <laughs> sensation of KFC chips, mwah, amazing. 
it's I mean, of course everyone has their sort of uh, their fast food preferences, but there's always going to be one that's down the uh, down the ladder a bit. But I don't know sometimes that's the one that just you'll want that you'll just you know oh man no. I know I'm normally a quarter pounder and cheese guy, but no, Whopper. Whopper is the only thing that's going to do it for me right now. So, you know, you have to uh, make the detour and go to Hungry Jack's. Have you ever had the occasion where it's like, I really want such and such from this place, but something from this place as well? I mean, I've, I've had occasions where I... I had- did that recently. I felt like an absolute rebel. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got KFC and then I got a cheeky cheeseburger and Big Mac as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Let's I need a smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah, I went to well, I went to Macca's and got like, I think I just got like a cheeseburger meal, but a large cheeseburger meal because I wanted an apple pie. Well, an apple pie as well. Yeah, but also, but I'm going for a Whopper. The, the my main burger is going to be a Whopper. <laughs> so you got the large cheeseburger meal, apple pie, and a Whopper. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. So um, yep, yeah, I got the cheeseburger meal and apple pie from Macca's, and then drove up the road to Hungry Jack's to get a Whopper. See, when I think of Hungry Jacks. I think of my nan Marlene because every school holidays, she lives over in Nor Lane. So you, people who listen to the podcast who know Geelong, we, she lives in Nor Lane, it's where we lived as well. So we'd stay at her place, not at night, just during the day. She'd babysit us, but we would walk, and it'd take us about thirty to forty minutes because she didn't have a driver's license. We would walk down at least once a week on the school holidays to Hungry Jacks. We'd have Hungry Jacks because we used to always get. She used to get the vouchers in the mail, you know, the booklets. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. It, you, and it, it used to be two Whoppers for $3. That was the voucher. Can you fucking believe it? Two Whoppers for $3. That's I always like the, remember that. That's like the golden ticket. That's like the Willy was, Wonka golden ticket. And you used to get five of them. So the way that worked is you used to get five little rectangles of each deal, and it was two Whoppers for $3. I always remember she, like, she used to use that, and we'd get the Whopper Juniors and stuff like that. But I always remember like Hungry Jack's associate with going to Nan's, Walking Hungry Jacks, my nan, God bless her, she couldn't eat a burger without getting the, the mayonnaise and the fucking sauce all over her face. She was a mess when she ate burgers. But my <laughs> sister and I have said that as a tradition going forward, that nan's passed on her birthday every year, we had to park our, our cars at her old house and walk to Hungry Jacks and walk back. <laughs> what a lovely tradition. Anyway, that's Hungry Jacks for me. <laughs> oh, but once, a year, once a year on Nan's birthday, in tribute to Nan. <laughs> so getting back to the episode. So the record has skipped. Homer's tried to pull a Fonzie and he's got a hemorrhage, which mm-hmm. the sound effect got me again. I hate the sound of flowing blood. Ooh, just gross. <laughs> Mo makes his big grand entrance, answering the cosmopolitan question. Now, can anyone tell me how much grenadine is in a cosmopolitan? None. A cosmopolitan is made with cranberry juice. Moses, like you old glass wipe. And as you said earlier, this is just a great moment, isn't it? It's a good moment for Mo. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like seeing him. I like seeing him be on top of his game. Like people, he knows his him. stuff. Yeah, I mean, we. Were, I think we were both fans of the episode. Was it? Yeah, Pig Moley, and where you know we showed off his bartending skills, and like, holy shit, he's got form. Mo's got game. So, uh, yeah. yeah, any opportunity that he has to sort of, uh, yeah, show off his wisdom or his expertise, I'm like, yeah, you, you go, Mo. And I've got here in my notes, just at this moment, there better be more of this. <laughs> Unfortunately, there wasn't. <laughs> and there was not, no. <laughs> we then get the Bart prank call to Homer. Hello? Uh, yeah, I'd like to speak to a Mr. Tabooger. First name, Ollie. Oh, Bart, my first prank call. What do I do? Just ask if anyone knows Ollie to booger. I don't get it. Yell out, I'll eat a booger. What's the gag? 
Oh, forget it. You like that moment? I like that moment. Yeah. I just, I just liked, Homer, I liked Homer's excitement, knowing what was coming. Oh, yes, my first prank call. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> then we get Mo and the professor going for a stroll through the yard at the uni. And Mo explains that he's burnt out and gets the, the really great advice of beautify your home, beautify your soul, which I thought was just fantastic. Then just out of nowhere, I'm dying, Mo. Do you have a cure for cancer? And I didn't know how to feel about this scene because I've read that it was apparently a play on the ending of a movie called Being There where a guy can walk on water or something. Yeah. And the, ga- the gag was that you're supposed to understand that that's what they were going for and you were going to think you thought that he was going to walk on water. But as a kid, even now, I've never seen the movie. I just watched this going, well, this is kind of dark, isn't it? it? It's been a long time since I've seen Being There and it's... It- but to the best of my recollection, the visuals don't really match up. I mean, if they well, I rewatched I, it. I think, and it seems that there was a, like there was a funeral going on, and then the guy that walks on water just runs down to the river or whatever with his umbrella, mm. and just walks out into the water. And that, that's that's the end of the movie. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a bit of a slightly sweet and bit surreal, absurdist classic starring the late Peter Sellers. Um, mm-hmm. not a bad movie, but I haven't seen it in a very very long time. Yeah, that but the whole bit with the lead-up and the whole cancer gate didn't really land for mine. I mean, I think jokes like that can work. I mean, of course they can. But, uh, yeah, this one just didn't for some reason. Just uh, out of keeping with the tone of the episode. It's a type of uh, type of humour and type of gag that can work in The Simpsons, certainly. But, yeah, just not not this time around. Um, I don't know why. It was, it was, but, it was uh, just too, it was too real, in my opinion. I'm like, oh, so this guy has now killed himself because he's going to die from cancer. And I just went, mm. well, now I just feel sad for this guy. I mean, well, yeah. where, where's the where's the humour here? Like, Moe's reaction of, oh, oh. I'm like, that, that's obviously what they thought the joke was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's I like, thought, oh, no, a bit of awkward, no. a bit of awkward humour, a bit of, uh, oh, like, inappropriate, or a bit of, uh, you know, black comedy or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't really, uh, doesn't really no, doesn't, play. No, not no. really. Homer is then happily walking to Moe's. And I just, got, I just got a kick out of happy bartender Homer. I thought it was great. I really, really <laughs> enjoyed it. He arrives, he thinks Vandals, Team Vandals are smashing up the bar. And he sees Mo, thinks it's a, a teen, beats him with a piece oh. of wood. I, this is actually also one of my favorite moments because it's just so ridiculous that I don't know. It's one of my, it's one of the moments I remember the most from this episode. The Mo, wrecking Mo's bar. Uh, what? Are- <laughs> well, I almost fainted, but then I didn't. I don't know <laughs> why that tickled me, but I just did. <laughs> As we said, then, your, your mileage may vary. Some things will work for you, some things won't, and uh, yeah. sometimes you just can't explain why. But um, yeah, it's just like, oh, no, that, that hit me right on the funny bone. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing a gesture like a, a finger flick of uh, on the funny bone, but this is a podcast and you can't see me do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Mo then says he's going to make the bar pretty. He introduces a is it Formico? Formico? Yes, Formico, whose name must yeah. not be spoken because that was one of my trivia questions. <laughs> oh, okay. And he's the Dean of Design. Mm. We're then at the family dinner and Homer is obviously sad that he's not the bartender anymore, which you can understand. Tries bartending all the family. This is something you would never see again, putting a cigarette in a young girl's mouth. <laughs> but, you know, it's the year 2001 and that shit still flew on television. So, yeah, so he tries to top up Bart's drink, gives Lisa the smoke, tells Maggie she can't sleep here. Funny stuff. <laughs> We're now with the bar flies arriving at M. So he's turned the bar into M very, very quickly. There's a long line at the front. Homer says, screw that. You know, we're VIPs. We're going to skip this queue. The guy's about, or Cecil's about to stop him. Mo says, nope, they're VIPs. 
the whole Cecil is a girl's name. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of dumb gags. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, we'll be talking about that in slightly greater depth in a little while. Uh, yeah, that whole M bar. It's, it's got that very early two thousands aesthetic. That whole thing with the eyeballs and all that kind of stuff. I believe it's uh, Carl who says, "Yeah, this is just weird for the sake of weird." Or no, that's Mo. That's Mo that says it. So so. No, no, Carl that's right. Asks, it's, Carl, it's, Carl says, "What's with the eye?" Mo says, tries to give it. It's explaining what postmodern is. Yeah, <laughs> explaining what postmodern is. Yeah, it's a weird for the sake of weird. Oh, yeah, that and makes I like sense. that. I was like, thank fuck, someone's actually telling the truth. That's all it is. It's fucking weird for the sake of weird. That's all it is. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but if you go back and rewatch, say, like movies or TV shows from the very early two thousands. One that sprang to mind was like Ocean's Eleven, the one with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. There's mm-hmm. a scene where uh, Brad Pitt's teaching like a whole bunch of uh, teen stars how to play poker. And it's at some hip bar in uh, in Los Angeles. And that sort of reminded me of um, of M. It's not quite as uh, desperately hip. But uh, yeah, the early 2000s had a lot of that shit going on. It wasn't great. Like, uh, yeah, Carl definitely says this. This is creative design run amok. And yeah, he's banging. Well, that's what that's what Lenny says in the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> Lenny says it. I'm sorry. Oh God, I'm I'm messing up so many uh, so many things today. I've got to write that on my hand. You know, Lenny, <laughs> your, your, <laughs> Lenny giant, your giant hand, my giant hand. <laughs> One thing, it, but I don't know why, but it reminded me of the kind of bar you'd see the girls from Sex and the City go on, trying to seem relevant. I think a bit like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now Homer asked for a duff here, right? And most as we only got, we don't have duff. We only have this Malaysian beer made of soy sauce. Mm. Cuts to Homer. Cuts back to Mo. He's got a fucking bottle of duff in his hand. <laughs> was that was that just a fuck up on the animators, or was that meant to be like a blink and miss it joke? I don't know, uh, but like, I want to say it's a gaff. I think it's a, I think it's a mistake because Mo is holding the Malaysian beer, mm. and then it cuts back to Homer. It cuts back, and it's the same shot, but he's holding a duff instead. I'm like, what? Why did they change the bottle? It's the exact same shot they cut back to. I'm like, why is, why is it now a duff? It just it just seems like a very, I I I, but I agree with you. I, I agree that it's a, a gag and a mistake. Oh, sorry, not a gag. Okay, a, a fuck up. But it's like, how, how does do that, that happen? Mm. How does that possible? How did this fuck up occur? I would love to speak to one of the animators on this episode and go, how did you do this? Because I'm impressed <laughs> how you fucked the, how you possibly fucked this up. But then Mo introduces for Maiko once again to the rest of the barflies. Turns the light off. I loved here. Once Mo goes away, Homer going, okay, be cool. And then it, you can see through their eyes that they're, they're oh, yeah. doing something, trying to be cool. I can just try to imagine cool these guys yeah. trying to be cool. <laughs> but for Maiko has taken Mo away to introduce you to some young, attractive models. Then we, after the, the lights getting blacked out, we see Mo with the, with the models and just really bad Russian accents that, duh, you think I'm attractive. <laughs> then we get the barflies in the oxygen bar. Have you ever been to one of these? We have an oxygen bar in Geelong, but I don't think it's actually an oxygen bar. I don't think it's called the oxygen bar. Yeah, I mean, but inhaling pure oxygen was a thing there for a while. I don't know how exactly long it was a, <laughs> was the in thing to do, but yeah, sort of going and uh, I don't know, filling your lungs with the fresh O2 or whatever it was. It's like, really? Can't you just get drunk, you know? <laughs> Can't you fill your lungs with, uh, you know, better things like smoke? <laughs> I don't know. Is this is this is this supposed to be a healthier way of getting wasted, or not even a healthier way of getting wasted? Just sort of like a healthy. Um, I, I imagine it gives you a little bit of a buzz, or sort of t- maybe maybe it was like a, a an enema for your lungs or something. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, they've had enough. They don't like the oxygen bars. Too silly for their liking. Lenny's trapped in the wheel. Creative design run <laughs> right amuck. 
They they go to storm off. Then we get one of the Russian women saying, "After Chernobyl, my penis is falling off," and penis is Russian for. And I thought, thought, <laughs> I don't know if this is the kind of gag you should be putting on television. It just seems so. <laughs> it's like it's not the gag. It's not the kind of gag you would have heard on The Simpsons even like four years ago. I feel like it just seems so lazy. <laughs> it's self consciously edgy, is what it is. Now I'm sorry to keep. We trot out this barrow time and again but unfortunately it, it's a recurring feature in some of these episodes that we're seeing that i think it's trying to keep pace with the other shows other animated shows that are out around this time so yeah you get like yeah you know we're the simpsons but we're saying penis it's like hey, what? Uh, yeah but we, you were good without saying penis <laughs> here's a here's a question though right so we've established that we we feel there's bringing in these kinds of you know, shemale jokes right jokes into the show to try and keep up the pace with South Park and Family Guy and whatnot, right? And with, as you just said, you should have just kept being with The Simpsons because that's what made you successful. But people were swaying towards these more edgy shows like South Park and uh, Family Guy. They're the two examples we always go with. I apologize, listeners, mm-hmm. but they, they were the two, two of the biggest dogs at the time. Yeah. Do you think people watching this in 2001 would find this funny? And because we're watching it in 2021, we see that it's wrong. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think they're particularly funny, um, nor do I think they're particularly tasteful. I mean... But that's but that's I, what I, people seem to be enjoying. Jerry Springer was one of the biggest shows on television at the time. So tasteful, out the window. True. But I mean, look, I'm, I was never a huge, uh, uh, much of a family guy guy so i can't speak to the kind Neither, of jokes really. that they did uh I, I will say that when south park which i did watch regularly and still and still do watch when it would say traffic in gay stereotypes or something it was or it was usually with an underlying message of tolerance a bit of like and this may sound like it's trying to have it both ways but we're all in the gag i mean you know, the was there really big, to, was there really tolerance of Big Gay Al? I think there was absolutely tolerance for Big Gay Al. I think he was generally regarded as the um, voice of reason, as the as a beacon of tolerance, as someone who was very live and let live. And the kids who were you know generally wise, except for Cartman, um, you know, sort of like yeah, Big Gay Al's pretty cool. You know, I mean, sometimes they were very obvious about saying that, but generally it was kind of like, no, this guy's you know just living his life and he's fairly he's fairly with it and he's fun. They were poking fun at his gayness, yes, but they are uh, giving just as much time, if not more, to the fact that this guy is a good person. And I don't think that comes through in any of the gags that are in this episode about uh, about shemales or anything like that. I mean, even the use of the term shemale, which, uh, you know, even I think in 2001 was kind of played out. I get, I'm hearing this, and I'm think, all I'm thinking is, we should do a South Park podcast. I just, I just, cause I just, all these memories of watching South Park and loving it so much as a kid, I'm just like, I really want to go revisit all these episodes now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I reckon South Park continues to have a fairly good hit-miss ratio. They've got their finger on the pulse all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, you can disagree with its politics, and a lot of people do, but I generally think that it's... Uh, Fairly smart. It tries to view all sides of the issue, and I think it has a, you know, a fairly good stance on the way the world operates. No, I'd be, I'd be happy to sort of talk a fair bit about South Park. If we get enough listeners writing in, mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au and patrons, let us know. If you want to do a South Park mm. podcast, let us know. 
Yeah, once we've um, yeah, once this episode goes out and goes live, and yeah, you've heard us talk about this, get on your social media and say, "Hey, talk about South Park," and <laughs> you never know, we just might, or you might say, "No, don't talk about South Park," in which case we probably won't. <laughs> so Mo gets angry at Homer, Barney, Lenny, and Carl because they're making all their yelling is taking away the Russians' horny. So Mo cracks it, tells his guards or his uh, security to throw him out. Homer throws himself out and gets a hat in the process. <laughs> we then come back and Homer is turning his garage into a tavern. And this, I felt like here, this was sort of like Dana's way of being the viewer saying through Lisa, what's well, a, a lot of effort to go through just to get back at Mo. Well, that's just sort of like the viewer's perspective. Like this is a big, yeah. you know, this is a big fucking thing to sort of undertake just to sort of get back at your friend. But anyway, he says for petty revenge is, you know, just getting back at Mo. That's why he wants to do it. He wants to get back at Mo. Doesn't matter. Then we get him nailing up the urinal. Then Marge points out, and I'm glad someone pointed it out because I was thinking the same thing at this point. You don't even do your own full-time job. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, what, what, is he going to go to work? Like, how is he running the bar? Does he go to work? What's going on here? <laughs> I think it's just the bone that's thrown to people like you, Donald, where it's where you know you're you are constantly looking for a bit of um. Consistency, <laughs> real world consistency. <laughs> yeah, so um, for them to just point out, like, do you even have a job? All that kind of stuff. To do that every once in a while, it's a little bit of ass covering that I think is, yeah, it's a necessary. I think it's, I think it's somewhat required. It's a necessary reality check every once in a while, and I think you just have to do that, and then move on very quickly. Yeah, I didn't like this next part. It broke my heart. Homer's robot. So this thing clearly has emotions. Homer just picks it up and throws it out onto the street. I mean, the, the, the fact that he's built a robot is ridiculous in itself, but I'm like, okay, we've established this guy's built a robot that has emotions. And he's just thrown it out the road. I'm like, I want to be this robot's friend. I want to give it a cuddle and give it legs. This is why we love you, Dando. You've got a big, big heart, sir. <laughs> I'm like, this poor robot. <laughs> did, 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 did you not watch this and get those vibes from that dolphin movie? Father! <laughs> <laughs> no, because a dolphin is a uh, sweet, intelligent, uh, seagoing mammal. Admittedly, they do have their dark side, <laughs> but we'll talk about that. That's a, that's a conversation we'll have at another time. Whereas uh, this robot, yeah, not feeling it. <laughs> Put it out on the on the street for the hard rubbish with the stuff that I'm putting out for my study. You're a harsh, cold man, Mr. Davis. <laughs> that is true. We balance each other out well, then. An angry, angry young man. <laughs> <laughs> but back at M and... So you elaborate on this. We've had a few people write in. They want to hear your thoughts on this next scene, comparing films. Yeah. Um, I'm of a mind that you would really not compare um, the films of uh, the great Japanese filmmaker Akira Kurosawa to those of the uh, wonderful German filmmaker Werner Herzog. They're kind of, they're not apples and oranges. Um, it's, I don't know, more like apples and gear shifts or um, apples and automatic transmissions. No, no, they're... Um, they're just very different kinds of movies, and I really think that it's, uh, the only reason this gag was made is because they're both conspicuously sort of foreign names. And, yeah, it makes you sort of sound fancy if you're, uh, you know, dropping the names of uh, foreign filmmakers at a bar. I think being having your ear invaded by someone trying to, you know, differentiate between the films of Kurosawa and Herzog would just be, I don't know, torture? So, yes, it's, pro it's probably a good gag in that, in that way. I mean, because, like, this bar is full of pretentious types who will just say, I like foreign filmmakers and here are two that I like that are very different and have no thematic similarities whatsoever. But I just want to point out the fact that I know who they are, basically. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We then get all the other hipsters. So, you know, one's on a diet where he lets him eat what he wants for a minute. The other one's getting Botox injections. Then we get a data gag. So a guy on a cell phone. <laughs> like a cell phone was a big deal in 2001. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought by 2001, we all had phones, mobile phones. Was it after that? I thought by 2001, we all had mobile phones in our pockets. I think that they were becoming more and more prevalent, certainly. But it, they, weren't, they weren't a novelty, but they weren't as ubiquitous as they are now. Or even like maybe from 2005 onwards, let's say. Okay. I, I just remember I'm playing sure. Snake I'm, I'm, in year yeah. eight, which would have been 2002, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had a mobile in 2001, but I can't remember what sort of make or model or even what sort of size it was. I mean, I know it wasn't a brick. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a smartphone or anything like that. I think every kid had the Nokia 3315. That's the one you could throw at a wall and it would never break. I, I think mine's still around here somewhere and it probably still works. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've still got a... I think I've got maybe two or three of my old mobiles in my drawer here that for some reason I just haven't got rid of. And uh, yeah, one of them is like a, a cool old Nokia. And I'm like, eh, you know, I mean, if I wanted to sort of get off the grid or something, I'd probably just recharge and, you know, get a new SIM card for this bad boy. Well, see, phones are built now. And they've come in a minute. Phones are generally built to last like two years now. Yeah, they've got built-in obsolescence. Yeah. That's, that's why never, ever, ever people will get sucked into a 36-month contract because by that last year will be fucking hell. Because I've done that and it's a nightmare. My phone is just doesn't last more than like three hours off the charge. It's horrifying, but I've still sucked into that 36-month contract. Don't do it, people. It is a mistake. Phones last two years. That's it. Get a 24-month plan. That's it. That is it. Uh, We should get the guy to have his 24-month plan happening. (laughs) Make some money on the side. So we're back at Mo's bar, and yeah, so everyone he's, he's starting to understand that he may have made a mistake here. He doesn't like these people; they're not fun to talk to. They don't want to talk to him when he puts the game tip. on. They all yell at him, and yeah, you know, he's just not having a good time. Then Huntington's uh, Professor Huntington's ghost arrives, points out that there's no tips, and he starts laughing at him. And I did enjoy. Why are you mocking me? We're friends. Oh yes, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then we're back at the Homer's Tavern. Oh, by the way, and was it? It's it's Dan doing the voice of Professor Huntington, isn't it? That is correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. From what from what, what I understand, the professor is a bit of a play on a uh, character from a movie called The Paper Chase, uh, sort of a very imposing law professor who was voiced by a guy named John Houseman. He had a very mellifluous voice and kind of talked a bit like this. Although Dan makes him sound a bit more like James Mason, who had that very sort of elegant voice. Well, talked a bit like this as well. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I liked it. I just wanted to throw yeah. in a bit of appreciation for Dan's voice work. Yeah, oh, Dan's always fantastic. So we're back at Homer's Tavern now, and the Barflies are singing their own version of "I Love Rock and Roll." So I'm going to play the clip first, so listeners know what we're about to discuss. I won't drink it both. Homer's old garage is all I need. I won't drink it both. Cause Mo's a big jerk and a female too. Okay, so she mails Mr. Davis. What is going on here? Yeah, as as we said earlier, it's it's really just a uh, it's a cheap gag. It's a it's a cheap diss. As we said, it doesn't fly today. It barely flew then. I tend to give the benefit of the doubt, as we've done in the past with these things. It's like, oh, it's a different time and all that. But yeah, even back in two thousand one, it's like, what's the point of this? It's insensitive. It's callous. It's but it's also just pointless as well. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not happy for the inclusion. And I mean, look, I don't think you should edit it out of any future screenings of no, uh, Home, no, no. Home of the Mower or anything like that. It is somewhat a product of its time, but still, 
The Simpsons didn't need to go to this. And I, I say pro- product of its time. This was never acceptable. But unfortunately, you did sometimes hear these kind of jokes being thrown around in pop culture. I want to be careful with my phrasing here because, uh, you know, I want to get this right. But the, the trans visibility movement or the transgender visibility movement has come ahead in leaps and bounds, certainly in the last decade, mostly I'd say the last five years or so. It didn't have the profile in 2001 that it has now. Of course, that's not to say that there weren't, uh, you know, members of the transgender community. Of course there were. They have been since time immemorial. But the profile is still sort of fairly low. And I guess uh, this section of the community was target for gags, like a lot of marginalised sections of the community are. So, I mean, I'm guessing that the Simpsons writers' room was predominantly straight white dudes who, uh, you know are going to sort of poke fun at the other. You know, they'll poke fun at themselves, of course, but they'll also poke fun at the other, and it's not a good look to be uh, yeah, doing it this way. No, I mean, it's it, as I've written here, yeah, the she-male diss, ugh. Did you at least like what was in the background at Homer's Bar? Um, are we going to be talking about a certain pinball machine? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our friend Andrew Pellicati pointed out, I wonder if a guy's going to be happy that Devil's Advocate <laughs> showed up. And yes, I was indeed happy when Devil's Advocate showed up because one of my all-time favourite gags of The Simpsons, always glad to uh, yes, see it make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> then we, I feel, something happened during the, the, the last commercial break where they just went, all right, Homer's now going to be a real jerk for the rest of the episode, except for the last, like, scene. Right, hmm. so he's forcing his family to run the bar so he can just sit and drink with his friends. His daughter, who is tired, Dad, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to cut lemons. Oh, she's so sweepy. She doesn't know what she's saying. Hmm. It's just like, what the fuck? What what is going on here? Like you were, you were cool one act ago, being the the the, <laughs> the bartender, like a, a cool guy, not a care in the world. And now you're just being a jerk. Like I just don't understand. He's just being an absolute prick. But as we said, Mo has realized that he's not Mo St. Cool and he rips off his suit. He's got his old bartending outfit underneath. Then he hears R.E.M. playing and Homer, you know, as, as he mentions, maybe we should play the R.E.M. song because I do get a kick out of it. Yes, please. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> You are right. Homer's addition to the, the the song is pretty good, isn't it? Because it's it's just basically just random thoughts, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so the Aria were playing because they're thinking of saving the rainforest. Um, they can't. What, what's the the guy's name who can't pee whilst Lenny's watching? Peter Buck on base, I think. Then Mo walks in, tells Homer, "You can't be doing this." And so this here, right? When Homer goes bar or tavern, this is a hunting club. That could have just <laughs> been a gag. That's it. Like that's it. Move on. Like that. That that's a funny gag. You know, yeah. you didn't have to have then Homer going in hunting. But it was funny though, as you said, Michael smashing the bottle. Then, you know, that's it. It's not the REM way. We'll recycle the shards and get out of here. <laughs> Mo says that you must hunt and you will go tomorrow morning. And as you said, this is where they have Lisa chime in. Oh, no, don't do that. Mm. Tells her to just go back and keep cutting the lemons because he's just a prick now. Yes. We are now out hunting. 
And Homer thinks the turkeys are just going to climb onto the plate, which obviously won't happen. Mo then sees Lisa and he says, Lisa, I don't like you. You don't like me. Have you ever said that to somebody and meant it? I don't like you. You don't like me. <laughs> no, because there's a, I'm just very cognizant that they might say, I like you fine. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you hand them a moist towelette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he uses the bird call signal that makes the eagle come down and attack his face, then attack his crutch, and then goes back to the face. Did we need him to say after the crotch? I mean, that again, symbolic of sort of lazy writing. It's like, did you just want to say crotch? Because, I mean, it, the gag works perfectly well. He said, ah, ah, the head actually feels good now. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, we get it. You don't need to say after the crotch. I mean, if you've got half a brain cell, you realize, oh, yes. Being pecked in the head would feel good after being pecked in the crotch. You don't need to say after the crotch. Anyway. <laughs> You're right, though. I think they maybe just wanted to have him say crotch on TV. It's probably mm. probably the thing. Yeah. Homer is then looking through his scope. I did love this. <laughs> Here, took a turkey. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> the turkey gets scared away by Moe's cougar call. And what, what, they can ask this question. So why is Mo out here not wanting Homer to hunt? Like, Why uh, does Mo care whether it's just a turkey or not? I don't know, man. At this stage, I was just like... We're near the end. Wrap it up. <laughs> because whether, because whether he shoots a turkey or not, he's still hunting. So why does Mo give a shit whether oh, yeah. he's shooting a turkey or not? It's hmm. a very valid point, Dando, and I. It's one that I have not really considered. <laughs> but he then thinks Mo is a cougar and shoots him in the leg, and Homer then faints and ends up in a bear trap. And I've got here in my in brackets, what on earth is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I was just bewildered by this point. I was like, this has just fallen straight off a cliff. Mo is now suddenly, Mo's is suddenly back to normal due to certified contractors Correctors. because obviously Dana couldn't think of an actual reason to get back to normality. Yeah, and that Similar whole to, thing about, oh, like you find it in Yellow Pages, yeah, it's like, I don't know if there's an exact word or <laughs> for this type of humour where people just sort of say really obvious stuff in sort of like stilted fashion when we're being... Oh, oh, they're like having a, a bland conversation or something and we're meant to think this is funny. It's like that whole, yes, thing when Mr. Burns had the sitcom and you're oh, you're home already? Yes. I mean, that, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's like a version of that, except for yeah. real. Yeah. So, yeah, like um, deliberate anti-comedy. But that's a very, very hard thing to pull off. And, and not something you should deploy just for a, you know, a throwaway gag to feel like 10 seconds or something. So yeah. However, they do, they do pull off this successfully with yes, because that is fucking amazing. Well, yeah, yes, yes is good because it's yeah. got a whole fra- it's got a whole framework around it. This has nothing. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. But then suddenly Homer and Mo are just friends again. Like, like they don't actually explain why he shot Mo. He fell in a bear trap, but now they're friends again. Uh, return to factory settings. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they got to the end and went, oh shit, we've got 30 seconds left. It's like when I'm watching a wrestling match and they're nearing the end of the show and they go, fuck, we've got a minute of TV time left. Go home, go home, finish the match. And they do like a bunch <laughs> of moves quickly and try and get the pinfall. It's all, it's just, it just felt very rushed, this ending. But So it got to the end and I went, oh, so this was a Thanksgiving episode. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea. So they're having Thanksgiving dinner. As Mo says, everybody, or most dads once said, everybody gets shot. R.E.M. were there supplying the food made of tofu and gluten. And yeah, Michael, mm, smell those curds. I don't think I've ever eaten curd. Have you ever eaten curd? Uh, not really. It's it's sort of cheese, isn't it? I'm pretty sure curd is cheese. Yeah, yeah. But it, does, it, it sounds... But if, 
It but sounds this is all vegan. Gross. It, yeah, if it's vegan, that it wouldn't be. Is it? Let's, is it vegan or let's, vegetarian? Let's Google that. No, that'd be straight up vegans. That'd be five, level five vegans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> curd. What is curd? Curds. Cheese curds. Yeah. So cheese is curd. So it must be something else. Maybe they've just made it of something else. Who yeah. knows? But Homer is thankful that he's spending Thanksgiving with everyone that he loves and gives Mo the tip. And they have a really nice ending, but I just sort of thought, where did this nice ending come from? It just did not feel earned at all. It's sort of like a recurring thing these days where they have a really whack last act and then try to sort of make up for it with a really nice heartfelt ending where you're sort of left feeling, oh, isn't that nice? And then they, I guess they hope that you forget that the last eight minutes of TV have just made absolutely no sense. I don't know. Yes. But the ending was nice. It just didn't really work uh, coming yeah. after that hunting scene. Dando, do you know what I felt at the end of this episode? <laughs> Re- relief. Relief it was over. <laughs> and again, I'm not I'm not completely sledging. There's there's some good bits in here, but I mean, yeah, for the most part I'm like, well, I'm glad we got this over and done with. Now let's try and you know, move on and I don't know, better luck next time, guys. Yeah. It wasn't a really solid outing for Dana for his first episode, was it? Not really. And Dana's got maybe like five or six other uh uh, Simpsons writing credits on his CV, so uh, and I, I had a look, and some of them I've oh, look, I don't, I barely remember the others. So, but we'll uh, we'll get to those when we get to those. Yes, that's right. I will say though, Dando, do you know who my favourite uh, movie star is? Who is it? Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm using that joke. Don't you worry. I love these dad jokes <laughs> that you send my way. <laughs> what do we learn, Palmer? Alrighty, what'd you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? As I said earlier, beautify your whole, beautify your soul. It's good advice. It is definitely good advice. Even if the first thing you do in the morning is make your bed, it's it's a start. And it's and it's it's one little thing that'll sort of like at least I got that done. <laughs> that that was me today, by the way, when I eventually got up. It's like I made the bed. Don't need to do anything else today. But uh, no, beautify your whole, beautify your soul is fine, fine advice. From this day forward, your names will be it is time once again for the Guy Davis New Name Championship for season 13. The current leaderboard stands at this. Tied on third. Uh, in third position is Talia Enriquez and Mark Boston Burgess. In second position, we have Philip Hawkins and Stephen Roberts. And tied in first, we have Andrew Palacati and Keith Natum. All right, Mr. Davis, what have we got this week? Well, look, I'm just going to cut to the chase and give myself three points because uh, my new title for this is Dial M for Modiocrity. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> look, I actually thought that wasn't too bad, but I think it would go against the uh, the laws of nature and the rules of fairness to give myself points this time around. So instead, let's uh, go to three, two, one. But before we do, a single honourable shout out to Van Geis. Um, not for any title, just because they've got a cool name. No, no, because they also gave us a cool alternative title of Coyote Fugly. Because pretty good. Yeah, it's not too bad. I quite like that one. Obviously, but, play on play on everyone dancing on the bar. That is uh, exactly correct. But one point goes to our man Philip Hawkins Ooh. for M- Mo Modeny Mo problems. Very good. All right, so that puts Philip Hawkins now in equal first position. Well done, sir. Yes. Shout out though to Giles Richard who came up with uh, a fairly similar uh, title. But I can't tell exactly who came first. It looks like Philip Hawkins came first. Um, if we've got timestamps somewhere around there, we can prove that Giles Richard uh, actually came up with that title be, uh, before Philip. 
then, I don't know, we'll work something out or maybe just Giles Richards will stew with anger forevermore. <laughs> I'm not sure, but this time around, Philip Hawken gets the one point, but Giles Richard gets uh, an all-important shout-out from Guy Davis, which is, you know, more valuable than gold. Okay, two points to Henrik Vinterland. Mm. Uh, Henrik, my apologies for, you know, again, putting on that accent every time I say your name, but it's just too much fun not to do. And speaking of fun... Check out this title, Dando. Mo feels low, goes pomo for show, and loses his bros. Lots of O's in that one. (laughs) (laughs) To quote the uh, great band of De La Soul, oodles and oodles of O's, you know. It's um very good. It's like as I tend to say, it's a TV guy's nightmare, but a very well put together title there. So well put. I think the, I think the reason it gets two points is yeah, it's just a little too long for a for a real title. But when something rhymes that much, um, look, you got to give it its props. And who wins the three points for this week? Well, speaking of props, who's on the who's on top? It's Top Gear. It's Geroid Harahill who um gave us some good ones, but. Yeah, it, again, it's quality and quantity this time around because check out some of this action. In lieu of uh, Home of the Mo, a title that I didn't really get. Um, instead, we get Pub Friction. Pretty Ooh, good. That's Jeepers- perfect. If it was just focused on our idea for the story where it was Homer's Bar versus Mo's, that would be unreal. Wouldn't it be great? Also, Jeepers Innkeepers. Mm, I thought that was pretty good. good one, yeah. Yes, and Publican Enemies. Oh, Seriously, Garode Harrahill, fucking hell, coming through with the goods, coming out of nowhere Indeed. once again. All right, so uh, rack up the scores, Dan. How's the, how's the leaderboard looking? So still in third position, we have Talia Enriquez and Mike Boston Burgess. Tied second, we now have Stephen Roberts and Henrik Vinterland. And we have four people all on three points at the moment. Andrew Palacati, Keith Nedham, Philip Hawkins, and Garode Harrahill. Woof. There are many Holy. people fighting for that top spot up there. What a competition. Don't forget, guys, if you want to be a part of Guy Davis's new name championship, you've just got to be a four-finger discount patron. Patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! Alrighty, it is time now for the mailbag. First question here comes from our resident baker, Mr. Keith Ledham. He says, what type of business do you think you'd be good at if a friend or someone you knew asked you to run it whilst they were gone for a certain amount of time? I think you would have been perfect for a video store in the 90s. We've said this before. Absolutely, a, a, a bookstore or a video store, something with an inventory like that, I think that would be great. I'll tell you something, one thing I've been doing recently, uh, a friend of mine, I don't know if I've talked about this on the on the show at all, but you know, it runs a uh, you know, small business, Got it's got a fair bit of inventory, a lot of clothes and stuff like that, and my friend, God bless him, uh, they're a little disorganised, not unlike me, that's probably why we're friendly, but I took one look at their business and it's it's not overwhelming in its size, but it's enough that it could caught it. It could kind of get out of your hands if you look away for a few minutes. It's like the ocean. Don't turn your back on it. And the first day I showed up, I sort of looked at everything, you know, and there's stuff that's kind of misfiled or there's, you know, there's a bit of a mess and all that kind of business. I looked at it and I thought, you give me a week and the proper motivation, by which I mean money, um, <laughs> and I could probably tidy this up and getting it run like a Swiss watch. I mean, and I normally don't feel confident about anything, but I felt confident about this. So maybe that, yeah. If, if you keep it lo- if you keep it small, low stakes, and, I don't know, not too complicated, yeah, I could probably not run your business into the ground. You should have buy them out. <laughs> well, okay, we need, we need more patrons so I can now buy this business out. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from Andrew Palicati. 
He says, what's your favorite musical guest appearance or cameo, uh, either pre or post golden era? Mm. Musical performances. What do you like, Dando? I did love uh, the Aerosmith one from Flammy Mose is pretty great. With a, Mrs. K, I just want my drumstick back. Come and get it. <laughs> I was a big fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, oh, it, the, my favorite part about that performance is, so Flea, they gave him the script and all it says was he had to say, hey, Mo, right? But he sc- <laughs> he screams, hey, Mo! He, he and says- because they thought... It- because I thought it was so funny, they left it like that and it animated him screaming it. <laughs> <laughs> he, sa- he says it 100% flea style. It's fantastic. Yeah, but just the whole, just that whole exchange about, um, yeah, what I want is I want to hug and kiss it. Hey, everyone can enjoy that. I'm sorry. That is, that's one of the best Simpsons gags ever. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the uh, RHCP uh, showing up on The Simpsons. I did love the symphony orchestra with Cypress Hill as well. <laughs> now, this I like. <laughs> and Sting was one of my favorites as well. Digging butt out of the well. Sting was a good uh, it's, like, it's, it's like the. So he's digging butt out. I th- you, can, yeah, you can take a break, Sting. No, well, one of my fans needs me. Well, I don't think I've heard butt listen to one of your records. Oh, Shush, Mark. Good, good digger. digger. <laughs> <laughs> who did they, who so did they want instead of Sting? Was it you two? So Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah. All right, yeah. So final question here is, Georgia Catherine, if you were going to dance on a bar with or without your mates to back you up, what song would you pick? Mm. Mm. Well, certainly would not be the Nutbush City Limits. That's for damn sure. No, no. I mean, it, look, it's not something we... A bar is not that big. You want moves that are you know fairly sort of... Fairly tight. I mean, you don't want to get too extravagant or you'll end up on the floor. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with "You Can't Touch This" by MC Hammer. Can you do that? The, the, the walk. Well, that's the thing. You've got to do a little sort of crab walk along the bar. So uh, you've got yeah. a, perf- you've got a perfect uh, setup for that. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Hammer. I would love to see you in fucking Hammer pants. <laughs> pa- were, they, were they parachute pants? Is that what they're called? Parachute pants. You're the only person in the world who, in in recorded time, who has ever said that, Dando. What's that? That you'd like to, to see, see me in parachute pants? Yes. Or what, pa- have, yeah. did, did you ever wear them? Like, like honestly, I know he, he. It was like a thing that he did. But did people actually wear them in the early nineties, or was that just his like shtick? That was his thing. Yeah, I don't think anyone sort of rocked out in parachute pants. It wasn't like, ooh, what a what a cool fashion trend. We can all take advantage of. Like, no, nah, Hammer can do that, and <laughs> and, and no we one can ha- point and laugh, <laughs> and no one else should. Yeah, it's like yeah, more power to Hammer for wearing the parachute pants, but uh, it's not for us to. It just, it, you, you, your love for it just ended up just saying, get Duchess. <laughs> whenever, whenever you hear someone say stop, do you immediately think, can't touch this? You immediately think hammer time, absolutely. Every time. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Hope you enjoyed our review of Home of the Mo. Like we said, not, not a very well-told story. There's some good elements in there that would have been a really good story. But overall, I didn't leave this feeling too disappointed I mean I enjoyed it a lot more the second time I watched it so if you watch this and hated it go back and watch it a second time knowing what to expect and you might appreciate it a little bit more but uh, mm. next week's episode is called A Hunker Hunker Burnt in Love which I know for a fact is much better than this one it is where Mr. Burns falls in love with a younger woman and he has to fight for her love 
with another Simpsons character who I won't spoil in case you can't remember what happens in the episode. But it's, um, yes, I do remember really enjoying A Hunker Hunker Burns and Love, so I'm looking forward to that. Don't forget to continue to rate and review us in the iTunes store. Keep sending those reviews through. Let us know what you love about the show and give us five stars. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at FourFingerPod and Instagram. I really want to boost up the Instagram followers, so that's your job for the week, guys. Also, if you've got a question for us, send them through. Mailbag at FourFingerDiscount.com.au is the way to do so. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our amazing listeners? Oh, just remember that this podcast is weird for the sake of weird. Shh.